0: Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Shukuzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Together in the Liberation Lab, we explore what it actually takes to create fulfillment, success, and liberation. So far this year, we seem to have a theme all around simplifying our businesses and lives so we can have more of what we really want. And today we're talking about another facet of this. I believe it is really important to focus on one thing. In today's world, lots of business owners are doing multiple things, businesses, ventures, projects, and they are diminishing their impact and income and making it harder to achieve freedom and fulfillment. Laura and I explore what it means to focus on one thing. We also dive into how important it is to know what your one thing is and to stay in your lane. This is a powerful episode you don't want to miss. If you're enjoying the show, we'd be so happy to have you review us on iTunes. You can also head over to theliberationlab.com to subscribe and access some amazing resources to help you feel more liberation. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Liberation Lab for Women in Business. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Laura Shook-Guzman. Hey, Laura. Hello, hello.
1: How's it going?
0: It's going well. I'm coming to you from a phone booth in Utah. Oh,
1: I love it. Oh, you're so close, yet so far away again to come into the States. (laughs) I know, I know. It's great.
0: And, you know, today I thought we would talk about something that I feel like is very near and dear to our hearts at the moment, which is really around, you know, we've talked a lot so far this year about simplifying, about subtracting. And so I don't know if anybody's heard of the concept of the one thing, but I want to talk about how we simplify everything to the one
1: thing. Mm, You got me. You got me at the one thing. I'm listening. (laughs) I'm just so craving this. um, Like recently, I've been wanting to take a um, sabbatical from tech and Mm. social media. You know, I've been like craving – my husband walked out the other day in, in the midst of kind of a chaotic morning. He's like, well, let me know, you know, if you need anything. And I was like, okay, if you'll just get me an isolated cabin in the middle of some forest where nobody can talk to me, <laughs> 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 let me know. You know, so I'm off, definitely all ears into something that's about um, simplifying or drawing in getting focused, kind of shedding away a lot of the Things that are distracting us. So um, I haven't read the book. Um, it is a book, is that right? Yes. Or a concept? Mm-hmm. Yes. So
0: somebody wrote the Tell book, and part. it wasn't me. So just so you know, I didn't come up with this concept. But we're going to explore it anyway, with my perspectives and your perspectives. But it's it's a book that a guy wrote called The One Thing. You can go out and find it. It's been it's been out for a few years. And I'm just rereading it again. And I think it's just this great focus. Like it talks about basically the premise behind it is that all of us need to be focused on just one thing. And if we're focused on the one right thing, that's going to have like a domino effect, right? It's going to, it's, if we're lining that one thing up with all the other things then the one thing we do will affect and improve all of the other things and move us closer to our goal. And I think it's really relevant right now because what I see is is too many people are tired and overwhelmed and and just exhausted, especially women in business, especially when they have kids or other things they're doing, other side projects. You know, it's there's a lot going on and I think we all need to simplify what we're doing and focus. Like I really think there needs to be this this clarity and focus on what is the one thing we should be putting our attention to.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm ready to dive in, and of course, my serial entrepreneur self is going. Oh, you better listen up because you know you've got three <laughs> or four projects on the go right now. <laughs> oh, what will happen? How do well, we do this?
0: And this is such a common thing, right? I've, I find this so many with so many of the women I work with. If they've got the entrepreneurial spirit, their their mind's always moving. It. Wants to create the next thing. Oh, but I thought of this idea. Oh, but I thought of this online program. Oh, but I want to write this book. You know, there's all these Mm -hmm. things that we want to do. But what it does is it diminishes our impact and it overwhelms and stresses us out. And the reason is, is because it's like our mind can only hold so much and our attention can only hold so much. We do have finite attention. We have finite time and we have like finite space in our mind. And so when Mm we are all over the place with so many things, we really struggle to be effective, be efficient, be balanced, be able to create the life that we want, be relaxed, and a million other things. So I think that's the that's the interesting part with so many of us who are highly creative. We want to do a lot in the world. We don't realize that we're diminishing our impact and our income, which I talk about a lot, every time we're focused on too many things.
1: Yeah, I think so. And something that just came to my mind, I think that this is an episode that we had before where um, gosh, what we talked about being able to know when something needs to end as well, like when your business yes. hits a point where it's expired or mm. done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think for a lot of women too, we And I'm including myself in this bucket is that sometimes there's some things that might need to come to an end. And instead of um, dealing with that closure before I start something new, there's a tendency to start the something new first. I get ahead of myself because it's so exciting. And the Mm -hmm. other thing is no longer fulfilling me and no longer quite giving me that same entrepreneurial high that we get when we're on that creative sprint. Right. And so I think that sometimes it's a matter. um, I've definitely been doing many things that I love all at the same time. And then sometimes I'm holding on to something too long and I've started my new project and then I'm diminishing myself at both ends because I wasn't comfortable letting something close out before I started something new. So I feel like there's a couple of different things, you know, that we could talk about that women do, which is that trying to hold too many things because mm-hmm. we're not letting something end. And then also just this, because we've become so good at multitasking and we definitely know like the research shows in brain research that you don't really have that ability. <laughs> it's not something that we do. Like if you put attention somewhere, you're diminishing attention on other things, but because women have become very skilled at holding multiple things with different levels of attention on it, yep. we think that we should do it because we've learned, learned how, and it really doesn't get the same results as a focused attention that we could be giving something that we're really passionate about, or maybe is the one right thing like you referred to. Yeah. And and
0: I, I, there's so many things I want to like pull out of what you just said. (laughs) Like, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) One thing, Sonia, one thing. So I think, you know, first of all, what you said is really true. Like, I think we have to discern between what we are doing, because some people are distracting themselves from the one thing. So they have the one thing and it's getting hard or it's getting uncomfortable or they have to integrate something that they're not willing to integrate yet. And so then they create the shiny new thing as a distraction. So there's that sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. And then there's the scenario like you were talking about where the old thing is dead and the one new thing we can't focus on because we're afraid to let go of the old thing. So that's also the case. And then I have some people who just, you know, they're, they're just afraid to give their all to something because it it means that they're fully committed and that can feel trapping for some women. Like some women feel trapped if they're, you know, if they only have one thing, it's like, it's that I'm trapped in that one thing. What if it doesn't work out? What if it does work out? You know, there's a whole, there's that whole Mm -hmm. sort of scenario. So I think, you know, it does take discernment and some support oftentimes, you know, from an outside coach, a mentor, a, a, you know, healthcare provider, whatever, you know, somebody that you're seeing, a psychotherapist that can sort of help you see where the blind spots are so that you can actually discern what is actually happening. I think I have a lot of women who come to me, they're like, well, I'm just that way. I'm just so creative. I just want to be, I want to have my hands in everything. And I would say that maybe 1% might Actually be inclined that way, like as an authentic part of themselves. Like I think there are very few people who really do want to keep like doing things. Like they're, it's just their nature and it really is where they thrive. But I think most people are doing it out of a habit or doing it out of a reaction or doing it out of some kind of thing that they haven't navigated or really looked at because most people are exhausted doing it. They're not
1: thriving with multiple things. They're exhausted with multiple things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it is, like you said, there's so many different um, unconscious and conscious reasons why we play those games with ourselves, like running away from something, distracting, um, yeah, afraid to let something go before we move on. And yet the paradox of that is that it is the thing that can sometimes burn us out from the thing that we love because we are chasing too many things, and not able to feel fully satisfied. I think that's the other thing. It still is your joy to be chasing so many different things in different directions. Because when do you really, yeah, catch your breath and enjoy something? Because even that big thing that maybe finally happens, then you're distracted. You're like, okay, great, that thing is happening, and oh, but over here, my other thing. Oh, it launches next week, so let's move over here. You know. Yeah. And um start focusing on that. And then you don't even get to enjoy maybe a success that you had in another area.
0: Yeah, and I think there, I think there's a huge epidemic around fear of failure, and because of that, Mm -hmm. people keep themselves diversified. They keep themselves, you know, that scare, that fear, that anxiety. That you know, if, if they've got several things going, then at least one thing will work. But the truth is, is that you diminish your impact on every single front. You make it so that you never accomplish any of it. Because it's like there's not enough attention and enough effort to truly allow it to get all the way through. And I like, I always use sort of the imagery, and I think we've talked about this in another podcast episode as well, you know, uh, of like a, a running faucet. If you turn on the faucet, you want all that water to go out to the end so that it has, you have like a full. You know, running water. But what if you had a ton of holes in that faucet? And it's so, so as, as it's going through the pipe, it's like there's all these little tiny holes and it's, and basically what you get is this tiny trickle out the end. That's what most people are doing with regards to what they're focused on and what they're creating. They've got all these holes in their pipe and just a little trickle of energy actually gets to the one thing they really want to do.
1: Yeah. And then when you actually add up all the things that many women are doing, in addition to this sort of um, sprinkler effect in their business, right? So they've got their business with a leaky faucet, doing all these different things. Then layer on that, they have kids at home, and they've got they've been organizing or volunteering some sort of thing at their kids' school, and then they've got um, pets that they're taking care of in the house, and their partners, and you know all of these multiple things, and maybe they're the book group leader of their, you know, neighborhood gathering. I mean, it's just crazy, like the amounts of things that we layer on. And so we're not just talking about, um, you know, if you just bring your business into just that one thing, remember that that's not just one thing in your life. That's trying to bring one area of your life business into a more single focus, because we know that you've already got these other Areas of life and we want those other areas in order to be balanced. We want all of our you know spiritual and emotional and physical um, All of those boxes need to be checked, but if we're letting our creative work be diluted by chasing down too many different paths Then we're really exhausted there and then we're exhausted in all those other quadrants.
0: Yeah and I think I think and this is such an interesting concept, the one thing, that we could apply to so many different things, right? Because you yes. could back all the way out, like all the way out to all of it, like your entire life and say, what is my one thing? My one thing. For my entire life. And like in the book, he talks about this in terms of that movie, which I'm going to space out. Oh, City Slickers.
1: And I don't know who,
0: you know, this is like an old movie, you know, 1990s.
1: yeah, I've seen but it long ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But
0: anyway, this guy talks about, you know, the, the, the premise of this movie is like this idea of this guy trying to figure out his one thing. This is towards sort of the middle to the end. You know, what's mm-hmm. the one thing he really wants to focus on? The one thing that matters, right? So I think you can sort of take it all the way out to your life and say, what is the one thing? And is everything I'm doing contributing to that one thing? But Mm -hmm. you can also take it out in terms of obviously your business and in terms of even your actions. Like what is the one thing I'm going to focus on? What is the one thing I need to implement Right now, just the one thing, not the multitudes of things. And it's so habitual to have a to do list of a thousand fold, right? I have it all the time. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just too much. I just want one thing, right? So I think, you know, we, there's so many ways we can kind of apply this concept. But I think, you know, the overall idea is that um, we are focused on too many things. And I think in business, especially women are trying to do too much. And, and one of the things I tell people is if you're running a business, you need to say no to a lot of other things. Like you can't wear all the hats. If you're running a business, you can't do everything at your child's school and everything for all your neighbors and everything. Like there's a whole thing that is just, it's a choice. Like when choosing to have a business, like choosing to have kids, you, 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 can't do it all for everyone. If you, if you want to be a stay-at-home mom and do everything, then you have a little bit more time and effort and ability to be able to do that. But I think we're making choices all the time. And so if we're not clear about the one thing that really matters to us, then, then we're going to sacrifice the wrong things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was just at a uh, women's entrepreneur event last night, and I was speaking with another co-working founder um, just about our stories of how we got started. And one thing that she mentioned that is tying into this, she observed in her co-working space that women are often um, so much more likely to feel is if they do have to do it all in their business, and they get bogged down. And she gave an example of a a woman who was um, really spending weeks on a web design issue, and she was not a designer. She's a entrepreneur. I think something very. Creative and health oriented, you know. And um, she's stuck doing this design. And finally, um, she was talking about it with the members there, and they got her connected with someone who could do the web piece. And she said, you know, she was just noticing this founder of the co working space that men, though, are more quickly when they come up upon a problem that is not theirs to solve. Like, I don't know that. So I'm going to outsource it. And they're just really quick to kind of say, Oh, I don't really this is not my thing. Or I don't do that. I'm going to outsource it. But for some reason, women come into their businesses, the way that they tackle their entire household in our lives, sometimes where we just like, I'm going to be that one that does it all. Mm. Um, I'm not going to Ask for help until I'm first exhausted, you know, my own internal and external resources around me that I need to be responsible for. And I find that really interesting because it applies to me as well is I just, when I started off, I thought I was saving money by just figuring it out (laughs) on my own. And actually, when you look at my hourly rate, you know, if I'm spending a lot of time learning how to code and create a website from scratch, (laughs) that's that's not going to make sense for me financially when I could be spending that time in front of my clients doing what I actually spent, you know, six to eight years, nine years of education, you know, like learning how to do. Uh. So it's really fascinating how we kind of become our own worst enemy in that. Yeah. And this is a mindset issue. Like,
0: you know, I think there's a, there's a mindset issue around the difference between how we want to play in our business, like the bootstrapping idea. I don't know any woman who isn't doing too many things or hasn't focused on too many things. It's like, you know, we have this mentality that we've got to bootstrap it, that it's, you know, better and easier if we just do, you know, everything. And, and we don't really realize how much we are making ourselves small, how much we are stopping ourselves from more impact. And I mean, I don't know any woman that I've ever worked with, or even myself who has not been subject to this, because it is like, it's something I guess embedded in our DNA, right? It's like something like we need to be, you know, multitaskers, we need to do it all, we need to handle it all, we can, because we're awesome. And, you know, we can manage it, like, you know, it's, and it's, it's not healthy. And so that's why one of the things that I focus on a lot in my practice and in women in the arena, my program as I focus a lot on helping women figure out what is their lane, what is their genius, what is in their lane, and what is outside their lane. What are the things they never need to touch? And I think sometimes it takes this, it's not just, it's great for me to help them design that, which is where we start. You know, I'm like, here's what's in your lane, here's what's out of your lane, You know, here's how your program works, and and you're only doing your geniuses. But then it's like they have to practice it. Because the default of it, the, the habitual patterns for us to take on more is, you know, such an important part of the program is that practice of like saying no, not being willing to do that thing. That's not your genius, letting go, hiring someone to do another piece. You know, it's like this, there's so much struggle in us giving up these pieces. And I, I do that as well. Like, you know, and as I'm growing my business, as I'm scaling up, I'm having to get even sharper with my decisions about that is not in my lane. I don't need to do that. I need to just do my genius. This is where I need to focus on that whole thing. I just need to go find an expert who knows it because it's just not my area. and I need to stop doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the skill sets that I didn't realize that I was going to have such a steep learning curve on was um, moving from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur with a, staff with team, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and how you're actually paying these people. And how do you let go enough of what you're holding onto so they can do their job and so they can do it well. And I have watched myself bottleneck processes (laughs) in the sake of trying to be more efficient, you know, and my staff's like, waiting okay you know and laura's gonna get around to sharing that information that she's she keeps holding on to and you know that's something i think um that could be a whole other episode like how do you work with a team of people in a way that really does um support you because a lot of women take on staff and then they get overwhelmed by what it means to actually manage other people and and be a leader that um distributes mm. those responsibilities and then they think that oh this isn't for me I'm going to go back and hold it all myself and I'm just going to go back into being the only one again and it's like no if your business got to a place where you needed a team then it's learning how to actually learn what is the one amazing thing that your team each one of your team people do yeah. right mm-hmm. cuz this is this can be applied throughout organizations, not oh, just yeah. with one you know, person thinking, how do they do it? It's like, then you've got to fire up each person to be like, this is your thing. This is your one thing. It doesn't mean that you don't know other aspects of the business, but it's such a well-firing engine, you know, yeah. when everyone does kind of have, okay, this is my thing. And so that's been an interesting journey for me to learn to not just be a solo operating founder owner you know, trying to do it all and getting clear about my thing and then empowering my staff to do theirs. Yes, so
0: true. And like, and I think, you know, obviously it starts with that empowerment and recognition of what is your one thing. And I think I will tell you in my experience that your level of success and impact and income directly correlates with how well you're able to know your one thing and stay with your one thing.
1: Mm.
0: And I think, you know, we don't realize it because sometimes we think we'll have more impact if we just do it all. We'll have more income if we just do it all, like, because then we don't have to farm out these pieces. And, you know, like, it's, it's just this illusion that we have to shift and change because there's so many amazing women who can make so much more impact and they're not because they're keeping themselves in the spinning circle of a million things. And so one of the things that I think is really important for all of us to figure out as entrepreneurs And as women, we need to know what is the one thing? What is the one thing? And so like I start with looking at it a couple different ways, right? So the first thing is what is the one thing that we want to have the most impact in in the world? What do we want to change, right? Because why are we doing all of this if we don't want to change something? You know, what is the one thing that we really want to change? And I had to sort of sit and and feel into that. Like what is, for me, what is the one thing? You know, and the one thing for me is empowerment for girls and women. Like, that's the one thing. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. every single thing in my life comes down to that one thing. That's the impact I want to make. That's the place I want to make change. I want that empowerment to be seen in the business arena. I want, you know, girls to feel safe. I want, you know, there's this whole thing. Like, that's my one thing. And then we have to look at what is the one way that I can do that? See, like for myself, Mm -hmm. I'm a coach and a teacher, So I should not be doing technical stuff. I should not be doing like a lot of marketing, the content maybe because I'm a teacher and a coach, but all the rest of the stuff. It's like there's all these things that I've wasted so much time on because I was unwilling to give it up and just focus on my one thing, my genius, my the thing that I'm here to do. And I think that's so many women some people don't even know what their lane is or what their genius is or what that one thing is. Some just don't stay within it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really, and you know, it's funny when you ask that, my my thought went to two things. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. I did. I so what are your two things. things? What are your two things? So I thought, well, the first thing is, um, so I, I am a family systems therapist. Give you a little background, right? You know that about me. So first thing was like, systems. I want to change the systems, the structures that women are in, you know, in order to succeed. So I want to change like work structure, which is why I do co-working. So I went systemic change and individual change in capacity to believe in themselves. So I go that's my challenge in that and I'm watching myself with that as a therapist and as a co-working founder. I want both systemic change and change at the individual level to support the belief they have in themselves okay. to do the so, work. So
0: this is what's really interesting, right? So let's play with this, right? Yeah. Because I'll be the guinea pig. The, you're the guinea pig. So let's play this. Because here's the thing. You can do one of two things. You can widen even farther back to figure out what's the umbrella that holds both of those. But actually, mm. if if you if you read the book, The One Thing, some of the concept is that the one thing you focus on is the one thing that will then also contribute to the other things. And so if I listen to to what you're talking about, and it's the same with me, like I also want systemic change in the world. But I know that the first step to that is empowerment of women, that until we empower women, for until they empower themselves, until they are empowered, we won't create systems, you know, the systems to change. Like it won't happen. So, you know, for you, I think it's the same. It's like you, it's focusing on that whatever change is going to happen first for the next change to happen.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. The individual impact on systemic change is empowering the individual and... Yeah, my brain's still though, and the structural change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can but, limit the individual. But, but yes, yeah. But, but what's going to have the most
0: impact? See, yeah. see, if I look at so you know being on the outside of you, of course, like you know I, I look at what yeah, you're doing. Yeah, you've and, watched
1: me do this for yes, years.
0: <laughs> yes, and and I love both things. Right, we did both things. We did you know like we had the center, we had I had my coaching, like you know these these two things. But if I if I think about where you have the most impact. Well, this the changes that you create in your somatic psychotherapy practice are, like, phenomenal. Like, that change and impact in that life and what that life can do from that. Yeah. Like, to me, that is such high impact. And it doesn't mean that lives aren't changed by the center or they're not changed by the co-working or they're, you know, but the difference in that, to me, is profound.
1: Yeah. No, I hear you. And what's really interesting is that the work I'm doing right now that has me so on fire is the individual work with the women leaders that are bringing about that systemic change. Yes. So you're right. Because, yeah, because I now get to be that support system, part of their team, part of their support system. And I see them struggling with isolation as a leader and overwhelm and feeling out of balance and putting too much pressure on themselves, right? And dealing with anxiety and depression because they have abandoned allegiance to self. So all of those issues are the things that I am most on fire about when I get to work with these women. Yep. And then they go out and impact systemic change. So this is a good, hopefully this is a good example that the listeners um, as they're kind of thinking about, because I'm sure their minds as they tried to find that one thing for some there might have been just that really quick hands up. that's this one thing. But I'm guessing a lot of people were similar to my response where there's like maybe a handful or two things, or three things. It's hard to discern. So I love that question. Either kind of widen back and see what umbrella holds both of them or go in to see which one is able to bring about the other one if you were to make it the catalyst. Exactly.
0: And I think about – I have to do this with myself as well, right? Because I can sort of think of, oh, I want to do multiple things, whatever. And one example for myself is that when I – um, and focused on sort of the coaching and the empowering of women in business. So that's one of my things, right? So one of the other things I really deeply care about is is the safety and empowerment of young girls and specifically things like sex trafficking and rape and molestation. And the, 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 these are particular things that I have like a passion to fix and change. But what I realized a while ago, because my husband and I have discussed, oh, do we create some kind of foundation? Do we do something that, you know, allow, us to be able to, um, you know, have something else like this other business. And I realized there are people out in the world already doing that is their one thing. So the best thing I can do is create Mm -hmm. a lot of income that can support them. I can help and empower other women who can support them. You know, there's all these things that I can do that have more impact than me trying to go start a side project that already a lot of people are doing well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually really appreciate that point because I see a lot of energy not being, I'd say, energy going into misdirected places because people are replicating the work that's already being done when they could be doing their one thing, which is slightly different, like you just said. It's like they see an issue that needs attention and they'll go start a whole new nonprofit when there was actually a nonprofit in their local community that was doing that work and could have just used their support and help and getting the word out about what was happening. Um, and so we really do often, this is that collaborative mindset that yes. I feel is really important. And sometimes Americans are challenged with, because there's such that rugged individualism that is, you know, worshiped and at that um, it, you know, it, The loss of that collective mindset is what's, you know, that's the cost of it. It's like you forget that, yes, you as an individual can go and do amazing things, but you can also be a part of community and of collective action so that when you're doing your one amazing thing, you can rest in knowing that you're surrounded by other people doing their one amazing thing. And that makes up for a beautiful web of support in whatever community or whatever cause you're, you're working towards. So I think that's a good reminder that when we're saying this to bring it back to one thing, I don't know if it mentions that in this book, but you have to remember that we can do that because we are part of a human tribe. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's beautiful that we're a part of a larger tribe, right? Yeah,
0: and I, it makes me think. Like sometimes when I'm in co working spaces, like in you know in the co working space that I was working at for a while in Melbourne, and I was, you know, I was kind of saddened by how many people were starting, like trying to start their own thing. And one of the things I I often had conversations around was, you know, the one thing that corporate has right is that different people have different roles that they're success they're good at. You know, they're successful at so that you're using a whole team. that, So you're utilizing everyone's talents. Now, that's one of the only things they have right in that atmosphere. But, you know, besides that, (laughs) you know, what I see is so many people trying to start their own business by themselves, trying to do, you know, so then you have all these people that sound similar. Like, so, you know, you could take an industry like coaching, right, which is a very flooded industry. And I work with a lot of coaches and, you know, they come in and it's like, every coach sounds the same, right? They're all, they all want to do the same thing, especially women. They all want to power women. They all want to help women. Like there's a whole, like it's, it's all sounds the same because they're not focused on their real genius in that. It's like, they're just, they don't, they don't know it or they don't know how to define it or, you know, so instead of like, you know, realizing that this is your one thing, this is your lane, this is your genius. This is what you can offer. What what they don't realize is if they do that then there's so many collaborations that can happen because they can work with other coaches who don't do that one thing. They can work with marketers who don't do that one thing. They can work with all these other people who don't do that one thing. And then all of us are so much more impactful, so much more helpful, so much more collaborative, so much more like working with each other. I mean, I have a whole team of people that I'm cultivating at the moment to do all the things I don't do. I have my genius. I have a whole lot of things I don't want to touch, but my clients need all of that. So then I can partner with people who I can support their business. They can support my business and my clients. Like it's a beautiful, beautiful framework, but it all starts with each one of of us, like really figuring out what our one thing is Mm -hmm. and owning it.
1: Yes. And what is really beautiful about that is that when we own that one thing that's ours to do in the world, then we've just stepped aside and made more room for the person that maybe was in our space that we hadn't really l- given space to, because we were doing everything. You know, I'm thinking personally. There's people with talents around me, but I'm like, it's okay. You know, like I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just do it. And they're over there thinking, well, like I love to do that, but okay, if you're like want to knock yourself to exhaustion, go ahead. <laughs> and then when I step back over, and I'm like, no, wait, you're right. Like I'm gonna own my stuff, and now you come grab what yours. What is Years to do, then you've just empowered more people to come and do their thing because you're no longer like blocking, you know, yeah. that from people around you. And then we're all able to step forward and have our piece and have our contribution. And like you said, I think that's one thing that's beautiful about, um, about businesses when corporations that have large groups of teams, um, that that's what they have. Right. Is that they're sourcing the best talent, And they don't expect one person to do all of that genius. Mm -hmm. They bring all of these people and they tap into each of their genius points. And then, hey, there's this amazing product or service or creation. And, um, yeah, I think that that and that's an interesting thing that I've noticed in the co-working industry because you've got a lot of really independent spirits. You've got all these entrepreneurs who are – amazing at being resourceful and just bootlegging their companies and doing amazing things. And yet in they and they want to be in connection with others in community. But sometimes you'll see them all come into a co-working space and still kind of heads down in their projects and come up for air to talk about it and talk to each other. But they forget they don't shift that paradigm enough to realize like everyone in that room could be a resource to their business if they just think of it that way. Yeah. Instead of sitting and doing all of this work kind of in parallel, so even in environments that are really conducive to that, we are still in a time in human history where, especially within the American culture, speak to that. Um, mm-hmm. That and the Aust- Aust- Australians know different. <laughs> Australians are kind of yeah, and, and I and I think yeah, in the Brits there's still a kind of a little bit of that. Now, when I was in Sweden and Denmark and, you know, in Canada, they're definitely able to source collective um, resources in a in a much more natural way. And they actually struggle with separating themselves out sometimes and, and getting attention for their individual efforts because they, they think so much collectively. So there's pros and cons to how we all sort of... Because you want to own your thing and, and you also want to name that you're rocking it, you know, and that's something women, <laughs> women don't always do or like naming your thing and saying it's your genius is sometimes uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Well, and we can't talk about this without addressing that because, you know, there's no part of the reason that so many women aren't owning their lane or are not even clear about it or don't even define it. And every single client I work around this, because this is what I do for every single client is define their lane. Like Every single person, yeah, that is a huge part that comes up is around their value. Like, you know, there's a fear around owning it. Like sometimes they put their value in other things. We've identified with other things, right? And so then what happens is we we we're attached to this identification, even though it's not really us. Even it's not even though it's not really our genius or our lane. We have this identification with it, and we're afraid that if we lose that, if we don't do that, that we're going to have a, have no value. And it's like a complete yeah. mindset shift we have to have because so often the thing that we devalue the most in us is our genius.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes because it comes natural to us, we yes. don't even realize how valuable it is. Exactly. And that's, I think there's the exercise um, that you, you've talked about before where you have um, people give you that feedback, right, of, of what they think you're genius is or what they think your superpower is like if you hear start hearing that from people that are around you all the time that sometimes that reflects back things that you know about yourself but you would have never considered it to be that amazing thing because you just take it for granted like well I've always done that like ever since I was a kid I can do that like why is that a big deal it's like because yeah. nobody else can do it like that it's like your thing yes. yeah yeah
0: Exactly. And this is one of the reasons why, like, the one thing is something I've, I, I may not have phrased it that way, but it's something I've implemented in a few things in my program. Like, I help people only have one program, like one program. That's it. One service, one package, nothing else. One target market. That's it. One sales process. That's it. Like one message because it's that, that oneness of it means we can have the most impact, have the most energy, have the most performance. Like all of those things make such a huge difference by focusing on that one thing. And the same is true of our lane. When we're focused on our lane and our genius, I guess I look at, I look at everything in terms of what is going to give someone the most impact in the world. Right, and that means that themselves they've got to be most aligned with themselves, the least amount of energy drain, the, their best performance, their genius. You know, all of those pieces really matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I, it's something else that you well you've mentioned several times in here that this being able to examine what we're afraid of. You know, being able to look what we might be. Distracting ourselves from how we might be afraid to own this genius. And interestingly enough, I was thinking about my own relationship with the idea of failure. Because as much as I have given myself permission to feel into the fear of failure, I definitely am always working towards not failing, you know? Like you know, okay, I can feel the discomfort and the fear of failing, but I'm still working towards the goal of not failing. And I kind of had this like I guess you'd call it a failure fantasy the other day.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to hear this.
1: <laughs> Where I kind of like let myself go down this rabbit hole of fantasy thought. And I was like, "Well, what if I just like let everything stop. Like what if I just Mm. told everyone like, I'm sorry, like this is, I'm done doing this. I'm not available for this. And, and I don't know like if it's necessarily, I don't know. I was just like, what if it all stopped? That was kind of Mm. like, what if, cause I was having those fantasies of running away into a cabin (laughs) and living in the woods alone, you know? So it was just kind of a part of that. I thought, (laughs) what if I just let it all stop. Mm. And interestingly enough, if I could get past my ego in the disappointment um, of letting things go that I've been chasing and trying to succeed at or just build or grow, I realized, like, okay – it really I'd still be alive. I'd actually have a lot more time to do what I just to play and have fun. I would have to figure out some sort of, you know, money situation eventually. And there would probably be loss of money and I'd have to come up with a budget plan. But hey, I mean <laughs> the reality is that it's not actually as bad as I built it up to be, but it was it's more of a bruise to my identity. Yeah. It's this like holding on to something that I so want to be feel accomplished in or successful in Mm -hmm. and and I don't know like it it didn't my fantasy because it's a fantasy didn't get real detailed into the practical aspect of things but it allowed myself to realize huh that could be a fun experiment to allow myself to let things go more often that I say well could I just fail at this Mm -hmm. hey can I just fail at my goal of not going to the gym this month all right I failed at that awesome like Okay, moving on. Like, what's my next? Okay, I didn't do that. So obviously I didn't really want to do that. So what's something else I want to do? Oh, I just want to go on nature walks with my kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Like, and now I'm still meeting a need. But, you know, it was an interesting revelation to realize that there's more pressure sometimes in putting off the failing than if you allowed yourself to surrender to the idea of it every once in a while.
0: Yeah. I think so too. And I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting when you, you kind of break that down. And one of the things that I've found to be true so far is that when you are doing your one thing, it's not an attachment to success or failure. It's like, it it's, mm. you never actually want to run away from it. Like it's, it's that thing That you would always do, that you will do, that you, you would do in your sleep, that it, it's like, so what Mm. we need to realize is either we're not in the one thing when we want to run away or Mm -hmm. the structures we have built around the one thing are not working. Yeah. Because the one thing you never want to run away from, you always want to run towards.
1: Yeah. That's very that's a good discerning. It's like the impulse that you talk about, you know, that we mm-hmm. we have these innate these impulses to do um our one thing. And we have this place of returning to that no matter what and sometimes what we're trying and I guess that was kind of a part of that fantasy of failing is that maybe we hold these structures in the sky like these castles that we've built these businesses that we've put a lot of love and effort and energy and sweat and tears in and sometimes that wasn't really your one thing or it's not serving your one thing and letting those things it's not really fail it's letting them transition like letting them become closer and closer to what it is that's really your thing yeah. because like you said the only reason that they've gotten so kind of out of control is because there's things happening within those spaces that are not truly aligned with you anymore yeah and you know and and sometimes yeah people like we all get caught chasing something that's no longer what we started off our business to create. And so then coming back to that question, yeah, why do I do what I do? Why did I start this? Why did I leave my other career to launch this one? Why did I, um, you know, put myself out there and take this business loan or launch this. Like, why did I do that? What was the fire that burned in my belly back then when it was ground zero and none of these things existed except my dream and what I wanted to do.
0: Well, see, and this is why I think the clarity of the one thing is so imperative, no matter where you are, whether you're starting off, whether you're 10 years on the road, whether you're, it doesn't matter. Like getting to that clarity of the one thing as fast as you can is so imperative because how many of us climb a mountain, get to the top of it and realize we wanted the other mountain. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because we didn't have yeah. clarity of what our one thing really was. So then we went this path thinking it was our one thing, but we never did the real soul work, the real deep work. And, and in no way, shape, or form are we saying this is easy. Like, you know, it, it takes that journey into yourself to, first of all, even define and admit the one thing, have the bravery to go after the one thing, and be willing to let everything else go. Yeah. Like, it's a courageous, bold path.
1: Yes. And one that must be practiced over and over again, just like you said, this is not one path that you pick, like, because you know, it's your one thing. And then you pick this one thing, and then it stays pure in that way. It's like we have to always, I think this is why, you know, for me personally, um, taking quarterly time, you know, every year to sort of step away from my business. And this was a mentor um, who you know as well, Renee Trudeau, who mm-hmm. does career strategist and she's a work life balance, um, expert and speaker. And she talks about, you know, step aside and do a quarterly retreat for you and your business. Like, just if it's one Saturday every quarter where you pull back and you look at what's going on, and you check in and you ask yourself these really important questions. Because if we don't ever stop and pull back, we can't trim up and course correct and pivot mm-hmm. exactly. because we're just like, moving straight ahead. And I think that is something that people sometimes forget when they think that they've really found their thing and they start that business. They think they never have to really Tweak it again, like that they're yeah. on that path, you know, <laughs> and like, wait a minute, it's a whole nother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and I mean, you know, so obviously this is a powerful exploration and something I would suggest everyone that's listening does, but you know, you can start off with looking at what's the ultimate one thing I want? Like what's the one thing I want for life? Like if I died tomorrow or, you know, 10 years down the road or whatever it was, what's the one thing I would have wanted to create, impact? you know, change in this, in my lifetime. Like, you know, I think you can start there as a guide and then you backtrack it. Well, what's the one thing I need to get done in the next five years? What's the one thing I need to get done this year? And then what's the one thing I need to do each quarter? And I mean, you can backtrack it as far as you want, but it's like, it's allowing us to focus on that one thing so that, you know, we can, actually have all of our energy and effort into. And when that one thing's done, it's going to knock over a bunch of dominoes, right? All leading us towards the the impact we really want to make. So I think yes. it's an important exploration to start to ask yourself, what is the one thing? And am I on track to it?
1: Yes. Yes. So,
0: anything mm. you think you want to wrap up with Laura?
1: I'm just feeling grateful that you brought this topic because I think it's such an important. And here we are in February, so this is the you know first quarter of 2018, yeah. Yeah. and we're kind of midway through the first quarter. So I think it's a good time to reflect on this. And and if we if you've kind of started off 2018 with a bang, and yet you've kind of lost track of this discerning question, you know, is this true to your one? one thing, then this is a good time to bring that question back in and just make it a part of your, like you said, kind of your checklist of helping you discern where you are as you go along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're all doing this. I mean, this is something I do all the time. I have to bring myself back to that, to that focus. So, you know. Thank you all for joining us. Obviously, you can tell by our theme sort of this year so far. It's about (laughs) simplifying. (laughs) And I think that's a really important theme for us all. Yes. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. To get some great resources and listen to all of our episodes, visit theliberationlab.com. We want to help other women get the support they need to create more real success and freedom. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, you can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who commented, emailed us, and reviewed our show. We are so appreciative of your support. See you next week.